Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. My guest is Sam Adeyemi. I hope I said this right. A-D-E-Y-E-M-I. We're going to talk about his work and his, well, the topic will be Dear Leader, Your Flagship Guide to Successful Leadership. Over 3 million CEOs and high-performing individuals actually follow Dr. Sam on top social media sites. He has a doctorate in strategic leadership from Virginia's Regent University. And again, his new book is called Dear Leader, Your Flagship Guide to Successful Leadership. So welcome, Sam. Thank you for coming on the call. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me here. Sure. Well, tell me a bit about your background and how you came to write this book and do the uh, the thing that you do. Well, thank you. So I grew up in Nigeria. I studied to be an engineer. And while I was in college studying engineering, I gave my life to Christ and I would pray. And interestingly, some pictures would play in my imagination. I would see myself standing in front of people to teach, which was strange because I am introverted and I used to be extremely shy. So there was no way that could have been a product like imagination, so to speak. But that was the picture I saw and it only happened when I prayed. So I just found out they began to put me into leadership positions just before I left college. And right after I left college, a gentleman in our church, a reverend gentleman, gave me a book to read. The first ever book I would read on leadership. And the main thing I got from the book, everybody can lead, you know, that. And I saw all the qualities of a leader. I saw that I had some of them already and that the ones I did not have, I could cultivate. So I made that my personal growth target, right, to develop those qualities. Amazing that I just found myself being appointed into leadership positions until eventually I left the engineering site. And well, I think a lot of people don't want to lead. They're afraid to lead. Yeah. You know, I hear it all the time. I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to deal with people. So I, I think, you know, at least some part of you wanting to do it and wanting to get the, the skills to be a good leader, I guess people saw that. They, uh, is it all right? Go ahead, Sam, let's do it. Right. So they saw... Yes, some of those qualities gave me the responsibilities. I rose up. I use those responsibilities well. I like to do whatever you give me to do well. I would not, at that time, I would not offer myself. If you ask somebody to volunteer to be a leader, but if you gave me the job to do, I would do it well. So then when you do a job well, you get more work to do, right? So eventually, then I went fully into pastoring because my leadership gives were just helping me to do a, to have a lot of impact in church. So eventually, I would then do my master's degree in leadership and then do my doctoral program in leadership. I pastor a church in Nigeria, oh, about 27 years old now, and we have some 30,000, 40,000 people attending wow. services You know, every week. Would it be okay to, uh, to go backwards a little bit? Right. If you don't mind, would it be okay to ask you, uh, how did you come to faith in Christ? Would you be okay to share that story? If not, then it's totally okay, but I figured I'd ask. 
Oh, absolutely. It's an interesting one. So, of course, like most young people, I had been living at home with my parents until I went to college. So I remember when I was going into college, I was saying to myself, now I am going to have my freedom. And I am going to, I was going to go wild. I was going to enjoy myself. But the day I went to college, my dad and my uncle took me to the hostel. And we had this board at the hostel and all the clubs and associations in the college had their advertisement. And my uncle just pointed to the wall from the Christian Union and said, you see all these other ones? Don't join them, okay? Make sure you join the Christian Union. I said, all right, uncle, thank you. And I, was, I thought he was joking, right? But it was just three months into my being in college. And there was this big rally that was held at the college. Somebody came to preach. A preacher came from another city. And that was when I decided to give my life to Christ. I it just felt like the right thing to do. And that changed everything for me. That changed everything for me. The ability to pray, the ability to hear from God, the gifts, talents that God gave me, I began to find them. And it's just been an amazing experience for me all through. So after this happened, you started having, was this during prayer time that you started to see yourself leading a group of people? Or was it in dreams? Like how did these manifest for you? It was actually while I prayed, right? It was like somebody pressed play on a video player. These thoughts, these pictures would just play in my imagination and I would see myself standing in front of people to teach. So the desire to teach began to come into my heart. So when I read my Bible, I would gain insights. I would get understanding. I would get ideas. In fact, the first thing I did in college then was I would read the book of Proverbs and I would just pick a proverb. I would write it out on a plain sheet of paper and go stick it on the wall. We used to get water. There wasn't water in the taps. So there was water in a big tank and I would just put it once a week, I would put it on the tank for everybody to read. That was how I started. Okay. So what what are some early lessons on you learned about leadership? Where did you do the right thing or where did you misstep? Like what, what were important learnings for you? All right. So like I said, so they began to put me in leadership positions in college. And eventually I became president of the Christian fellowship in my college. So I'll tell you one, something I, I did wrong. Okay, so we had this conference and I wanted to do something dramatic to grab the attention of students on the campus, you know, to bring them to the rally. So so we wrote on play sheets of paper and stuck them all over the campus. We invited people to the conference and said the theme was there is no God. And we put in bracket a statement found in the Bible. Of course, I got it from the verses that said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But... The full part, I, did, I didn't want to put it on the advert. I just wanted to put, there is no God. Then when they came, I would let them know it was a fool that said so. But I got a backlash. Wherever we put those uh, posters all over the campus, people would write, you are stupid. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, you know, you, were, you, you didn't realize that you were telling them you're a fool. So they just, you know, their ego pushed back and they said, well, you're a fool. Right. So I learned the lesson there not to be over dramatic in trying to get people and not to act desperate, right? I had to learn communication is a skill and you actually need to learn how to accurately communicate the idea in your mind to others in a way to motivate them, right? Okay. 
Thank you for sharing that. I mean, we all make mistakes and stuff like that. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Well, so, well, on the positive side, it happened that when I was president of the fellowship of my campus, I was the youngest person on the leadership committee, interestingly. And Paul's letters to Timothy resonated with me so much where he said, let nobody despise your youth. And the only to do that is for you to be the example for everybody. So I learned to do my work seriously and to be disciplined and to be a good model and all that. And that was really positive. Also, some people who were older than me thought they should have been the ones to be in the position. So they tried to disturb the meeting sometimes, made it look like what I was saying did not make sense and so on. And then I learned to be firm, you know, to be loving, but to be firm, right? So that was good preparation for the leadership positions I would hold later. Eventually, I became a youth pastor in my church after college. Okay. So what were some of the leadership positions that really impacted you and changed how you lead? Were there any that impacted you more than others? Well, I would say being a youth pastor had some profound effect on me. And because when I was appointed the youth pastor, there was actually no youth fellowship in my church. So I actually had to start the fellowship. I think it was good. Uh, taught me to be creative, taught me to learn to seize the initiative, taught me to create something out of nothing. Because then I wrote down a plan, you know, some objectives for the fellowship, wrote down some names. I called some of those young people together. I sold them a vision, and then eventually I got permission from my pastors to speak to all the young people in the church. And we literally built a movement, you know, that held citywide events. One other thing, so I did so well in that position that I was then appointed to be a branch pastor, and I was posted to another city to do the job again, to start a church in a city where we had no church before. So with that, I lost the fear for starting with nothing, you know, to use my faith. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. That's tough too because all the relationships you had, gone. And now you have to go with completely new people in a strange place. That's tar- That's tough. Oh, you can say that again. Uh, that that was tough. Because not only when I left that city, not only was I living with my friends, you know, in church and so on, I was also living with my parents, you know, because at that time I was still living with my parents and all that. But I'm grateful for the experience because I was posted into a new city, the, actually the largest city in Nigeria. And I was able to drive there. So, and here I am now in the United States, you know, pushing forward, pushing our work to another dimension, a global dimension. 
I'm grateful for that experience of being able to start with nothing. It's usually hard, very painful to leave people, you know, to cut off those emotional ties. But then we've got to learn to move with God or else we just find out we expired with the old season. So, I mean, maybe it's a stupid question, but when you went to a new city, when you started a new church from scratch, what are some of the leadership things that you've learned that were critical and you're going to be successful at? First, I was dealing with a lot of people that were older than myself. I was living in, I had come into a city where I had never lived before. So I learned to ask a lot of questions and to listen. You know, I learned humility as a leader because sometimes I would say some things that people would call me call me aside and tell me <laughs> um, maybe some of the illustrations I was using. There was a time somebody said, oh, all my illustrations were illustrations from college, but they were not college students. I said, okay. <laughs> I was pastoring a lot of people who were married, but I was still single. So I had to learn to listen to people a lot. Secondly, things did not work as fast as I wanted. I had a lot of drive, a lot of passion, a lot of ambition, and I would announce growth targets to the whole church. And then the church wasn't growing as fast as I wanted, and it was getting a bit frustrating. But there was a day one of our workers called me and said, you know what, we know things are not working the way you want, but I just wanted you to know that that doesn't bother us. Things don't work perfectly for everyone. What is impressing us is how you are holding up in this scenario. You're still holding on to your faith. You're still being persistent. You're not giving up. She said that actually is what is inspiring for us right now. So please keep it up. So I was surprised, <laughs> right? What kind of stories prompted this reaction? Like what were some difficulties you had where you feel like maybe you came away from faith or you doubted. And, you know, like what's an example of a story that people really seem to take to? Right. So it was actually just the fact that I had set the target, a growth target for the church by social date. We would have grown to day 300 and then 400 and then 500 and then 600. But the, the people were not coming that much. The numbers were fluctuating, you know, and it was like it wasn't working the way I expected. So that, that actually was it. But I didn't realize that what they were looking at was my attitude. Because whenever I got on the pulpit, I was still speaking with confidence, still speaking with faith that ultimately, you know, what we believe was going to come to pass, you know, and that was what inspired them. Okay. So uh, what prompted you to write this book, you know, Dear Leader, and, and what is it about? Thank you. So eventually, uh, when I began to pay attention to leadership, many years ago, I actually saw a big gap. The fact that although many people occupy leadership positions, not many people have leadership skills. Not many people have actually been taught how to lead. Especially growing up in Africa, I realized it's even, it's actually worse. At a cultural level, there's poor leadership. People just don't know how. People don't even have a correct sense of the definition of leadership. What does that mean, poor leadership? Like, what are some examples to give it color? Okay. For example, in most people in Africa believe that it's only a few people that are born to lead. Everybody else is born to follow. Secondly, that 
when you occupy a high position like that, that's what makes you a leader. And occupying the position makes you superior to the people that you lead. Some people carried out the recite by one of steed and confirmed the fact that there's this high power distance in most developing countries, right? So at the end of the day, now that I'm a consultant, many business owners tell me that they are some of their best hands experts in terms of technical skills, but they have poor people's skills. So they're getting the results, right? They're bringing in the money, but they are hurting people in the process. And some people just resign. Some people just leave. If people are not happy, they can't give their best. Okay? So right now in Africa, we have a scenario going on. Middle three guys are taking over government and people are pouring out on the streets to applaud them, which is terrible. It just simply means that the leadership has been so bad, the quality of life has been so poor that people will celebrate the military, which should not be, right? So that's the scenario going on in businesses, in government, and so on. So I started a leadership school. It's called the Daystar Leadership Academy in Lagos, Nigeria. That was 21 years ago. We've graduated over 46,000 people now, right? It's been hugely successful. And then wow. I that's why I decided to study leadership more myself. And rather than criticize leaders, I wanted to have the skills myself to be able to advise and to coach leaders. What are some of the core skills that you think leaders are lacking or they don't even know that they need? You know, what's a few examples? Now, the first one is so simple. You would wonder why we fail at it. Loving people, having empathy, caring for people genuinely, right? When that is there, every other thing can work well. Another quality is vision. I describe vision as the ability to see people, places, and things, not just the way they are, but the way they could be. Recognizing potential and helping people to unleash their potential. So sadly... A lot of people find themselves in leadership positions, but they are self-centered. And I say self-centeredness and leadership and never work together. Leadership is others-centered. I also had to break free from selfishness because I found out I wanted to succeed. All I wanted to do was to succeed, right? And that's part of why things were not working for me in leadership. Church was growing at a slow rate earlier on. When I turned the focus away from myself, and turned it on the people, asked myself, what do pe these people really need? And then focused on meeting those needs with the wisdom and the power of God and with whatever resources were at our disposal. In Africa, there's a lot of poverty. Our church distributes food every week. Okay? We pay for children's education, pay hospital bills, and all that. Meeting practical needs, solving problems, that was a turning point for me. What if uh, a leader is, is secular? They're not interested and they, the religion for it, can they still, will they still, can they still absorb the teachings or they really won't work unless someone also is uh, safe? Oh, absolutely. You know, principles actually have no respect for persons, not even for religion, right? Gravity is gravity, whether you're a Christian or you're not. So the principles for leadership work exactly like that. Whether it's in a religious context or not, like the principles that I teach, I teach them to churches. I also teach them to businesses. And I speak different languages to the two groups. But those principles are still the same principles. So whether you're a religious person or not, you should care 
about other people. You should place value on human life, recognizing that the human being is the most valuable asset on our planet, right? You should be able to develop a vision. Use your imagination and see how to make things better. You shouldn't be innovative in the process. And you should be able to build a team, get people to work together, manage the dynamics within the team, allow each person's talent to flourish on the team. So uh, I've heard of the concept of servant leadership. This sounds like, you know, non-self-centered leadership. It sounds similar. What are some other key elements that a, a good leader has to have in order to be effective? Well, I would say apart from, so the servant leadership concept is just simply recognizing that being a leader does not make you superior to the people you lead, right? Leaders have to be able to manage their ego. It's so easy for us to think that being leaders means we're superior, we're better than other people, and that leads to hubris. And ultimately, leaders just find themselves in trouble. So leaders need to be humble uh, to see other people, see the good in other people, right? And then leaders need to have vision, like I said, and that's not even enough. We need to be able to communicate the vision. Leaders need to be able to guide their teams to make plans. Now, that means that a leader needs to be strategic. A leader needs to know what is working, what is not working, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, what are our goals, and what's the best way for us to achieve the goals with minimum input. A leader needs to be sensitive to change. There's a lot of disruption going on right now, and we need to catch change while it's still on the fringes before it becomes really disruptive. We need to prepare to take advantage of the changes because what other people see as problems, a leader needs to see as opportunities for growth. Well, what if you get someone under your leadership that becomes selfish and unruly and is just not a team player? You know, what's the recommendation there? What, you know, to deal with the politics of the people that you lead is sometimes that, well, a lot of times it seems to become trouble. Actually, in my book, uh, Dear Leader, Your Flagship Guide to Successful Leadership, I deal with these issues, and I particularly, at the end of the book, I deal with 10 possible scenarios that a leader may deal with, and this is one of them, that you have a disruptive member of your team, and I actually guide how you can discuss with your team to resolve those issues. But this is what I would say. First, you need to describe the vision for your team and your organization as often as possible, and you need to also describe the values. The values are the principles, the standards you have adopted that will guide behavior. Once everybody is aware of those, your standards are clear. Now, if anybody runs against those, there should be consequences. That's very important. If you don't deal with bad behavior, the people that are good on the team will eventually believe that it's not important to be good, and they will all begin to drop their standards. So the standards need to be clear. Like if you run an organization, there needs to be a staff handbook and all those things need to be stated clearly. Your vision, your mission, your core values, what is expected of members, staff members, and then what is misconduct, what is gross misconduct, and what the consequences will be. So at some point, somebody should get a query, you know, written query, and that requests a written explanation for your behavior. At some point, somebody needs to get a suspension. And at some point, someone actually needs to be removed completely the scenario. Okay. Um, how long has your book been out? What kind of feedback have you gotten from readers? My book came out in October 22, 
and it's been ordered all over the world. It was published on Amazon, so it makes it easy. Since people can order it on Amazon, people are ordering from all over the world. We have one of our clients, for example, in Accra, Ghana, an organization that has tens of thousands of employees, and they ordered 500 copies of the book. Because I speak, they have a leadership conference for their managers every year in January, and I've been speaking there now like the last six or seven years. And at that conference for their managers, they have 2,000 managers in attendance. Okay? So they ordered a lot for their people. Another organization in Canada ordered 300 copies, you know, for their members. So the response has been fantastic. Excellent. Okay. Is it available on audiobook or is it just Amazon and Kindle or, uh, you know, how can people get the book? Where can they go? It's on Amazon.com. It's available in handback. It's available in paperback. It's available in Kindle. The good news about the Kindle is that it is full color. The interior is full color, unlike the paper editions that are black and white, right? And the audio book was just published two days ago. So it's available on audio. Did you read it? Because you have a cool voice. Or did you have someone else read it? I had someone else read it just so that since I'm reading, I'm reaching out to a global audience. I wanted a professional to read it so that people with different accents can understand clearly what is being said. I see. Okay. Well, very good. Sam, any advice for people that are listening that are considering leadership or that, you know, are working under a leader that's good or bad, you know, just for people in general, what advice would you have for them? It's not what you've written about and what you teach about. Right. What I would just like to say is everyone can lead. This is so important. It is the, you know, I believe that it's the average leadership quotient of a team that determines how well the team performs. So when everyone improves their leadership qualities, actually the whole team, whole family, whole organization, whole nation is the better for it. So I'm calling on everyone you have leadership potential and it's time to pay specific attention to it. Secondly, some of the best opportunities and resources in this world revolve around the people in the top 20% in any nation. And when you develop your leadership skills, you actually rise into that category. And listen, whoever influences this world is the one that determines how the world goes. If bad people influence the world more, the world goes bad. If good people influence the world more, the world gets better. So everyone needs to use their influence. I would also like to say leadership is a set of skills and all of us can cultivate those skills. And it's some character qualities. All of us can cultivate those character qualities. If you are serving in a place where the leader seems to be bad, uh, I'll tell you, you learn both from good leaders and from bad ones. Honestly, from the bad ones, you learn how not to do it. The leader's weakness is put pressure on your own weaknesses. I encourage you not to react. If the leader is harsh, respond with love. You're not going to be there forever, right? And you should know when to leave if you need to leave. Finally, I would say there's a lot of destruction going on in our world right now. And our world is in desperate need of good leaders. So sign in. Cultivate your leadership skills and let's make our world better. Excellent. Very good. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, you know, being open about your mistakes and your triumphs and, and your advice. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me on this great broadcast and all the best. If you like this podcast, 
please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.